Man, I get so excited to get back here on Sunday. So excited. All right, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. Thank you guys for the great worship. Thank you guys for your patience and help. Thank you guys for putting up with me for three months. Three whole months. Um, Amen. Can I, yeah, please do something there. Let me know I'm not just making that up. Uh, But I I know I'm stretching us. I know I'm challenging us uh, to move the church forward. And uh, I want to be passionate and compassionate. So thank you guys for rolling with me. And uh, we are going to do this thing. The Lord is going to build this church. Um, and I am excited for what uh, the future has for us. First Peter chapter 2, you got it? Okay, here's the game plan. We're going to teach. Uh, how many of you guys are going to be gone next week? Man, what is that, you guys? Come on. We're going to be teaching on faithfulness to the church next Sunday. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's kind of messed up. Uh, but I know it's a big weekend. Hey, if you're going to be here, invite a friend. Let's try to, let's try to get the place packed out, uh, and we'll have a great time here. And I hope if you are uh, leaving town next week that you will get some rest, and you will come back full of fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. How's that? Um, so next Sunday, I have no clue what I'm preaching on, uh, but we will do a summer series as we're kind of doing a foundational thing for Bethel. We want to start reestablishing what we're about as a church And uh, when I teach these things, by no means am I saying these things have not existed here, that's for sure. But I just want to reestablish them. So we're doing a series on the Word of God. And then what I want to do for probably a good chunk of the summer is I want to do a series probably from 1 John on salvation. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? Because I want that to overwhelmingly mark this church that we understand how one gets right with God through the gospel And that it is on our hearts to speak it to people here and in this city. And I think if we were marked by the word of God in the gospel, we'd be moving in the right direction. And I bet you God's going to start blessing this place in new ways. After that, no clue what we'll preach on. So again, what we want to do is we want to establish, and really I should say reestablish, because there's a long history of great people who have ministered in this place But we want to establish and reestablish what our core values are as a church and how we're going to minister to our city. And at our core, we want to be marked by several things as a church. But at the heart of Bethel, we want to be marked and centered on God's word. Why? Here's why. Because through God's word, the Holy Spirit is literally rebuilding our lives. Do you get that? Man, I woke up this morning thinking about this, like every time we open this book, even personally or, or with, with my family, or we do it collectively as a church, the Holy Spirit is moving to rebuild human life. Just this week, check this out, I'm going to start crying over this, don't tell anybody. Just this week, God has revealed a new sin to me in my life. You want to know what it is? It's none of your business. No. <laughs> No, no I'm, I'm, I'm totally serious because some of you are like, yeah, I struggle with gossip. You didn't get that. That's cool though. But, but honestly, God has revealed a new like insecurity in me and, and, and I'm not doing, you know, I'm, it's caused me to do some weird things. And, and, and the way that he revealed this new thing was through his word. And check this out, Deuteronomy, right? And it's not about me killing animals or anything. It's about my heart. And so I was so excited when I started going, oh, my soul. And I'm talking to my wife like, honey, I think I'm struggling with this. And she's like, yeah, I've been telling you that for 10 years. 
But I got so excited that God has revealed a weakness in my life and he's going to take that thing away soon. I'm becoming who I was meant to be. All through this book. All through the Spirit moving through this book. The Holy Spirit is rebuilding our lives. Now, if you think about the concept of being born again, it works perfectly. Um, and if you say, well, what is this born again thing? When, when, when a person realizes that they're separated from God because of their sin, God is perfect. God is holy. And because God is perfect and God is holy, he cannot allow that perfection to be violated in me and all of my sin. If, if I enter into God's presence in any form or fashion, he's forced to push me back away. What needs to happen is he has to figure out how to get my sin out of the way so he can receive me back into fellowship. And because he loves his creation, he wants to bring us back and give us the greatest life. And so the plan is, somebody's got to deal with our sin. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was sent by God to the earth to live a life that we could never live, to live perfectly before God. I mean, think about this. This is almost like divine cheating. I can never be good enough to be accepted by God. I can never be perfect, not even on my best day. And so Jesus says, well, I'll represent you, and I'll do it for you. But we still got this problem of sin. God still has this issue with sin. I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner. I can say that about me. You don't say that about me, but I'm a sinner. And so Jesus says, I'll take care of that too. I'm that good. And that's the whole concept of Jesus being crucified on the cross. He's nailed to the cross, and God actually judges Jesus Christ for our sin. So it can be dealt with and done. So no matter what today holds, and as, as messy as it may get, if I have accepted Christ as my Savior, my sin is covered forever and ever, and I'm always in perfect fellowship with God. Always wrapped up in His grace and His love. Born again. A new life begins. But here's the cool part, and I think this is where most Christians miss the beauty of Christianity. You're not just, now you're forgiven, now, you know, go on, I'll see you in heaven one day. It's not like that. He wants to completely repair the life while on this earth. Now, that's super exciting. He wants to rebuild the whole thing. Let me show you what I mean. How many of you guys... Do not like reading instructions when putting something together. Don't leave me alone now. I hate instructions. It is the pride in me, okay? And I'm, thank you guys. Some of you guys are like, yeah, we're going to create like a small group and work this out. I hate reading instructions. As a matter of fact, I just put a ping pong table together for the teen group, and I, I just about cut my wife's finger off because I didn't read the directions. And I'm like, yeah, honey, just hold on to this half of the table. And just stick it on those things, and all of a sudden, boom. And So anyway, some of you guys have listened to our sermons from our last church, so if you're familiar with this story, laugh anyway. But let me tell you a story about instructions and how I don't like them, and how it relates to the Christian life. Um, last summer, when we lived in Elk Grove, um, it was, it's very hot there, man. And so we have this volleyball slash badminton net, you know one of the cheap ones? And so when it gets hot enough, everything starts bending, so my wife was bugging me and bugging me and bugging me to put up this, this badminton thing. You know what I'm talking about? And so finally one day I'm like, I'm going to put up the badminton slash volleyball net. And so my wife goes, well, here's the instructions. And that's just a challenge. That just means now I'm going to do it without the instructions. And so I know nothing about 
I'm not really good at anything uh, when it comes to, to building or anything else. I'm terrible. And so what I start doing is I start, um, I, my daughter's out there too, which was a lot of pressure. Because now I'm like, I got to get this thing right. So I'm putting these cheap plastic poles in the ground. And I'm smacking them down with like a shovel. Because I don't think we own a hammer. And um, I'm stringing the net across. And I'm like, honey, just pull the thing, you know. And I'm, I'm tying the ropes to the top, like, in knots. And then I'm just wrenching them down and staking them in the ground. And, and by the time I finally look up, you guys, no joke, this, this, this uh, badminton slash volleyball net, the, the poles are literally like this. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about right there. That's, that's good. Let's play. And my wife and my daughter are like, we're not, we're not playing on that thing because two things are going to happen. Either that badminton birdie is going to hit it and it's so tight it's going to shoot back at us. Or it's going to hit it and that thing is going to explode because there's so much tension on it. And so I'm like, well, come on, let's play, guys. And, and here's what my daughter says. She goes, Dad, I think you need to tear the whole thing down and use the instructions and do it right. Not good. Sure enough, I put that dumb net together by the directions, and it worked out perfect. Um, Obviously, my wife does not understand the joy of reassembling things. But isn't this often like the Christian journey, you guys? Um, Isn't that the hard part about life? Is is here God saves us, and he wants to rebuild by his instructions. He he wants to rebuild marriages and thought lives and, and depression and anger and... Um, self-driven guilt and all of these things through his word. And yet I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll do this without the instructions. And then I find out, man, this thing didn't work. It did not only work, it's awful. And I got to backtrack and I got to say, okay, God, how are the instructions written pertaining to this particular part of my life? I got to get back to the book and have God rebuild it his way. He's the author. What if, you guys, I want you to, I want you to fantasize about who you can be. What if we could rediscover God's instructions and put our lives together correctly and, man, feel truly alive? Wouldn't that be amazing? Well, here we go. One point this morning. If we want change, and we all want change, I don't think any of us just come here. This is not my point. I don't think any of us come here just to come here. We want to come here to be changed by God. And so, if we want change, we need to learn to long for instruction. We need to learn to long for instruction. Because how many of you guys are like, okay, I get the Bible is the instructions, but look at that. Like, I just don't get pumped up on Monday morning to read that. So we need to learn to long for it. We need to uh, create an appetite for the word of God. So I'm going to work that out this morning. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. You guys with me? Now, remember Peter in the Gospels? Pretty messed up guy, right? Felt God, did it his way. Like he's the only guy who's ever rebuked Jesus. Like he's rebuking God. He's putting God in his place. And so his, his life completely falls apart. And it's very obvious that Peter learned how to do it God's way, how to follow God's instructions. So keep that in mind as we look at First Peter chapter 2. Now I want you to visualize your life. What would it like to be free of 2-1? Peter says this is possible, number one. 
Put away all malice, all deceits, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. Think about that. That can be you. Do you, you ever just get to the place where you're tired of complaining? You ever get to the place where you're tired of talking poorly about people? Like you want to praise God and build people up? You ever get tired of drama? Yet Peter gives us this amazing promise that we can be radically liberated from these things. We can be changed. And again, this is almost a description of Peter and what he did when he failed Christ so badly. As you look at those words, malice, he was angry at the Lord. He was deceiving his own heart. He was a hypocrite. He was envious of the greatest place with the Lord. And he began to slander his own brothers in Christ and even the Lord. And Peter had to come to a place where he learned how to, two, one, put away those things. And those two words, put away, means that Peter found a way to avoid going through these things again and again and again. Guys, remember Einstein's definition of insanity? Doing this, yeah, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. That's like the Christian walk right there. Amazing. He was a brilliant man. I don't want to keep doing the same things over and over. I don't, I don't want to keep arguing uh, with my wife about the same things. I don't want the thought life problems that I have to happen over and over again. Um, I, I'm kind of tired to clinging to grace and just hoping for heaven. I want to cling to grace and see victory in this life. And we can. So we, we can, through the Spirit, put away these types of vices and sin. Now, how do we do it? First Peter 2 Two, he says, like newborn infants, long, long. Just stop right there. Like newborn infants, long. So we are born again. We are given new life in Christ, but it doesn't stop there. We now have to grow in Christ. We have to learn how to become like Christ. So when he says we need to long, before we even figure out what we're to long for, check this out. Obviously, this is coming from Peter's own experience. It's almost like Peter's saying to us, Bethel, look, listen, I failed God so badly 2,000 years ago because I was so underdeveloped. I longed for my own ways. And it's like he's telling us, guys, I found a way to grow out of my sin so it no longer dominates me. I dominate it through the Spirit. And that is your gift from God right there. You deserve that life. It's no surprise that this is an imperative command to long for the thing that's going to deliver us from doing the same sin over and over again. The word long means to desire or crave. How many of you guys, if you're Christian people, long for heaven? And there are days, and I'm a young man, I keep telling myself that anyway. There are days when I can say like Paul, if I could be home with the Lord, I would be gone. I would be done. I have no more ambition in the sense of my own will anymore. I've accomplished enough. If I could go home and end this, I would be with the Lord. And then I'm reminded of the other part of that verse, but it is more needful for me to be here for your sake. Well, think about Longing for heaven. 
In 2 Corinthians 5.2, the same word is used for the longing to be in heaven. So whatever Peter's going to lay out, that is going to change us. That's going to transform us. We are to long for it as much as we long for heaven. And whatever it is, look at 2.2, it's pure. Like newborn infants long for the pure. So whatever this thing is, it's so perfect that it's able to remold our souls. And guys, can I just tell you as a personal testimony, we need something to touch our hearts that's pure. Because man, this culture is so contaminated. I'm so tired of the messages all week that flood our minds. That tell us we're, we're less than. Or, or maybe if you're getting up in age, that tell you maybe you don't have a spot anymore. If, if you're young, you've got you've to get this going or have this degree. There's just so many messages that bombard us. And after a while, you know, it's like, it's like you want to take, take all that filth away. You want to wash it away. You want something pure and clean. You want something that makes sense and is right and it can be trusted. S- tell me something that I can use. So this is pure. So what is it? Long for what? First Peter 2.2. 2. Like newborn infants, now that we got a new shot at this thing, long for the pure spiritual milk. The milk of the word, it's the word of God. And it literally means the speech of God. Be so consumed and so excited, um, so driven to hear the speech of God. Father instruction. Father, tell me, teach me. Tell me how to do this thing down here. Repair it. Show me how to walk around the pitfall next time. I don't want to go through this anymore. And that was Peter. He said, no, I'll do it my my own way. I got this thing. And bam, 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 bam. He had to come to the place where he said, no, I'm humbled now. I'm tired of this. Teach me another way to get along with people. Teach me another way to look at money. Teach teach me another way to look at myself. Teach me another way to be married, Lord. Give me something pure from your words. And this longing in the heart for the word of God, to hear the word of God, to read the word of God, and it, it doesn't mean we don't get flat sometimes. But this has always marked those who are born again, those who are in Christ. Loving God's word because of its power to change us. It's not something that is kind of self-imposed or, or driven through good work or effort from the outside. It's this natural change that happens when you get saved and you receive the Holy Spirit of God. He gives you a hunger to hear the Father's words. And in hearing the Father's words, we make the adjustments from our Father and we find new ways to live. What N.T. Wright calls becoming truly human. Uh, Write this down, or if you're fast, meet me in John 8. Uh, Verse 47, "Whoever, whoever is of God, whoever is saved, whoever has been born again, whoever is of God hears the words of God. Did you get that? Whoever is saved can understand and wants to hear the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you're not of God. If, if you don't want them, if it's a struggle, it, it may be cause to look at the heart and, and see if you're in the faith. But it is a part of being saved as the Holy Spirit comes inside of us. 
He gives us this new hunger to want God's word so God can instruct us and change us and give us new lives. And this longing comes from what the word has already done to you. You say, why should I long for the word? I've, I've read like Judges and it's, you know, it'd make a good movie, but it's boring. Well, look at 1 Peter chapter 1 again. Here's why, here's why we should long for the word, to read it, to hear it preached, to be a part of its ministry. The longing comes from what the word has already done to you. I've been sharing my salvation testimony little by little with the, the teenagers uh, on Friday nights. And then we were out longboarding for a, don't ask. We were out longboarding, my daughter and I, I can barely walk right now, um, at Lake Merced for a few hours yesterday. And I was sharing with her how God saved me. And it is so awesome. It is, it, it, I cry every time I think about it. Like, how did I get, can we get those lights off? Am I seeing those? Are you guys seeing those too? Okay, I just thought I was having an experience right there. Oh, they just, thank you, Lord. Thank you. They're off. That's all it took right there. But I've been sharing my testimony with, with my daughter. And every time, I, every time I think back on how God saved me, it's amazing. And I'm thinking, how in the world am I in this amazing city, in this awesome church, doing what I'm doing? I should be dead. That is the goodness of God. But if God has been that good, do you know that he wants to continue this work in your life now? So it's, it's looking back on how good he's been in saving you that should create an appetite that I want more of him. 1 Peter 1, 22, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, what that means is since you've accepted Christ as your Savior... For a sincere brotherly love and been brought into the family of God, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, of something pure and true, the gospel, through the living and abiding word of God. The word preached saved you. You heard the word of God, you heard the way to be saved, and you were saved, and you have been blown away by God. You have a new existence. And all the other trinkets and all the other ways that we're trying to improve our lives, verse 24, fall into this category. For all flesh is like grass in all its glory, like the flower of grass. All the ways that we're trying to improve our lives um, certainly are going to fade away. They are, not, they are not eternal. They are not near as powerful. The grass withers and the flower falls. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So now stay with the word, hear the word preached, and you can put away the things in verse 1. I heard the gospel preached for the first time in a church, the first time I ever watched, walked in a church, and I got saved, and it changed my life. I have wanted to go back to church and hear the word of God preached so I can continue to change my life. He says that our souls have been purified through the word, continue doing it. And I want you to hear me, Bethel. Peter learned to long for God's word when he realized just how needy he was for instruction or he would do the sin again and again and he was tired of it. And that's why in 2.2 he says, like newborn, like newborn babes. He uses that for a reason. Uh, newborns, newborns, babies, babies. Babies want one thing. You want 15 things for them. 
You want, you know, cool blankets and onesies and, and nice cribs. They don't care. They want one thing. They don't care how you dress them. They don't care about the clip in their hair. They want one thing. What is it? They want milk. They want milk. You cannot give that baby junk food. <laughs> you cannot give that baby anything outside of milk or it will scream. This is about survival. Babies are amazing to me because they're so gentle in every way until what? Until they need milk. And the reason Peter is using a baby is he's trying to show us our desperation to cling to the word of God, to hear the word of God, to renew our minds and learn new ways to live through the word of God so we can have new lives out there in this world. And here's what happens when you hear the word of God. Here's how it changed Peter. It showed Peter his heart. I need the word of God to go into my mind and into my heart because I need to see in my heart. And I told you earlier in the sermon, um, through reading the word of God, it was like God said, John, there's this thing tucked so far down here, you don't even know it's here. But it's coming out. And it's causing you problems. You're leaking a sin. But you can't even see it. And so looking at the word of God, he was able to cut into my heart spiritually and open the smallest crevice and say, John, there it is right there. There it is. You don't have to live with that anymore. Here's the way out. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter 4. This is a pretty amazing promise. Hebrews 4.12 goes like this. For the word of God, for the voice of God, For when you open this book and the Spirit begins to teach you about your own heart, it's living and active. And and what that means, guys, is it's constantly moving depending on where you are at in life. You read this book and it finds the sin. And then it shows the victorious way out of it. It shows you how to kill gossip. It shows you how to kill identity problems. It shows you how to deal with singleness. It shows you how to deal with marriage. It's living and it's active. Now watch this. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It makes clean cuts. It it pierces to the division of soul and spirit. There is no distinction. The soul and the spirit are so closely intertwined, nobody even knows where the separation is. But the word of God can find the, the, the most hidden cracks of the heart and say, I want to free you from that. I want to free you from that right there. I want to heal you, God says. I want to heal you. Read the book and watch what happens. Man, I'm re- again, I'm reading Deuteronomy and God's changing my life. And I was sleeping through half of it. And yet he found the crevice of my heart through the words. I look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And by the way, the Thessalonian church was a two-year-old church. And they were an example to all the churches in the area. How did they become that way? They were centered on the word of God. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, listen to this. Paul writes to this new church and he says, And we also thank God constantly... For this, for what, Paul? That when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, when you heard preaching, when you heard teaching, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. It's God speaking to you, and it is at work in you believers. Inergio, it it is energizing you believers to find your sin, to see the way of Jesus, and work out of your sin. 
That's an awesome promise for life. You don't have to stay the person you're at. I had a guy who was, uh, remember Al? I had this guy who started coming to our church. I think he must have been in his 70s. And because uh, he was not in a church, and not to be rough on churches, but he wasn't in a church that was centered on, on teaching the word. And he came to our church and he said uh, that he had learned more in six months than he had in 30 years about God and his own hearts. And he was seeing himself change literally weekly. We need to hear the word of God. We need to read the word of God. It is the most important thing for families, by the way, to be a, a, a Bible-centered home. Because it allow, allows us to see our own hearts and, and the weaknesses and sins in our own hearts. And then it allows us to see Christ and the way that he does things over and over and over again, which allows us to begin to mimic him. Do you know if you stare at something long enough, you'll become like it? If you hear something long enough, you will begin to emulate it. If you do something long enough, you will begin to become like it. Uh, how many of you guys play golf? That's like a gift of the Holy Spirit right there. Hardest stinking thing I've ever done in my life is hit that little ball. That, I used to be able to hit an 85-mile-an-hour fork ball. That's a baseball term. That little ball sitting on a, on a tee, not moving, can't hit it. I started playing golf uh, a long time ago. I don't play golf, but I started playing golf, and it was the, it was the lamest swing ever. Like, w- when you're hitting a baseball, and you just rip it. The golf swing is like, you know, this little, like, and so I'm grabbing my buddy's driver and I'm, I'm knuckling up like a baseball bat and I'm like you know alright let's do this you know and so it was the most unnatural swing to me it was like Ugh! and I would just hit balls and, and hit it and, and throw clubs and so after several months of, of doing something over and over again do you know what happened? Pretty soon, it became second nature. I didn't even have to think about it anymore. Where before, club back, club face straight, turn the hips, keep your head down, arm up, left arm straight. But as I did it over and over and over again, it became second nature. Wasn't even thinking anymore. And do you know if you will put the word of God in your head, in your mind, and see the ways of Jesus over and over and over and over and over and over again, you will begin to act it out by second nature, by reflex. That's the transformative power of the Holy Spirit of God. Real quick, 1 Peter 2, verse 3. Uh, Verse 2. He says, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. And really what that means is grow up into a Christ-likeness. And verse 3, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Uh, this This is the greatest thing that we can do is hear the word of God, read the word of God, have the Bible at the center of our lives to see Jesus in his ways over and over again until we begin to naturally mimic it through feel rather than conscious thought. And guys, I just want to encourage you with this. When we set the word aside, we set the work of God aside. 
When we set the word aside, we set the work of God aside. When we get to this book, when we hear the word taught, when we hear the, hear the word preached on the Lord's Day, when we read it for ourselves, we begin becoming like the Lord Jesus. You can be someone you've never, ever dreamed. And so I leave you with this. Maybe you don't even know where to start. Maybe you don't even own a Bible. Maybe it's been years. Why don't you start by coming here on the Lord's Day and hearing the Word, singing the Word, praying with us through the Word. Sundays are not events. They are transforming, life-changing experiences. Bethel, let us continue to be about the Word. Let's pray. And I want to do two things if you would just bow your heads with me. I want you to think about the things you're struggling with. And I I will do it with you. I want you to think about the sins that you're struggling with. And now I want you to visualize what your life could be like if it was gone. Think about walking out of this building into a Sunday afternoon knowing that that sin is being beat down and you are being released from its power. Just think of the person God wants to make you. Long for the milk. Long for the word. Read it. Hear it preached. Allow it to reveal your sin and allow it to encourage you and excite you as it shows you the ways of Jesus and watch what happens. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, I am promising you that this is true by my own experience. Christianity is about new life. And if you're here and and you've never known the peace of God through salvation, You've never known the transforming power of God to turn a life around. But you just wore out. I pray you would go with us on this journey. I pray the best way you know how, where you sit this morning in the quietness of your heart, you will turn from your old ways and you will turn to God Now you would pray in the quietness of your heart and ask God to forgive you of your sins, to save you, and to give you a new life. Keep praying this morning. There's almost no limit to who we can become through the Word and the Spirit. Christ-like lovers of, of souls, humble, gentle. I ask the Lord to, to give you a new hunger for His Word. And keep praying as we enter into song.